0: Hi, welcome back. Hi,
1: welcome back to Gallery. We,
0: we have, have been, been gone, gone for, for a while, a while and, and now, now we, we are returning. Are <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's pretty good. We
1: were gone for a while because we're moving. Actually, we mo- the move was quick. We've been gone for a while because we've been addicted to Lethal Company.
0: That, no, that's true. That's
1: really true. Actually, <laughs> I'm not going to mention that, any specifics, but we've been playing Lethal Company with our family members, and like, it's like the most fun... I've had gaming <laughs> with people in like a long time.
0: You you wouldn't believe how hard it is for some players to jump
1: on a like or, over or the like simplest ledge of all or, time or
0: climb ladders <laughs> or
1: have a competent computer. Hey hey okay anyway. Hey. <laughs> the point is is that we're back. We've got
0: we're happy. We're
1: happy. We, we got a new apartment. Shelves. New. We're trying. We're new, borrowing some cameras, so we're hopefully they should be better. In
0: love now. We weren't before.
1: Aw.
0: Actually, I do love you. Oh, I love you too. Just lately, though.
1: Oh. Welcome to Gallery. (laughs) You always forget to start the episode.
0: Sorry. I forgot that we were doing the podcast. Yeah. Anyway, that bleeds into my topic.
1: Does it really bleed into your topic? <laughs> yeah. Okay. What are you talking about?
0: Love.
1: L is for okay, stop the it, way stop it,
0: stop you it. look. Stop. Oh, I really thought you were going to keep going <laughs> at me. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to go.
1: Oh. 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 Is for okay.
0: All right. Go. The, okay. My topic is about love. Why? Because it's February.
1: And if you know anything about February, it means that it's the worst month of the year.
0: And, and the only thing that makes it better <laughs> is that February 15th, they have tons of half price chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not what I'm talking about today. She's talking about
1: <clears throat> President's Day. Sorry, okay. <laughs> actually, Einstein's no.
0: Actually, actually, everyone here should know that my dad was going to propose to my mom. And he and my mom was like really excited. She knew it was happening. And Valentine's Day came. OK. And she was like, well, oh, it's got to be today. And they had this whole romantic date and he there didn't? was no proposal. Wow. And you know what day he did propose? President's Day. A couple days later. So. God bless America. President's Day. That's the most romantic holiday in my family. Anyway.
1: <laughs> so your topic is about President's Day? You doing Hamilton no, or something? No, he no, no. a good president. Go.
0: Wait, did you just call Hamilton a president?
1: Yeah, like Benjamin
0: Franklin. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm talking about Valentine's Day. Why? Because the art piece that I chose today is a sculpture.
1: (gasps) Sculpture? I Mm. hardly know her.
0: Mm -hmm. Sorry. It's a sculpture. It's (laughs) not a statue. Okay. I looked it up.
1: It's not figurative.
0: A a statue is of people or animals, life size or larger. Sculptures basically cover everything else. So I'm doing a sculpture today.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It is Robert Indiana's Love.
1: Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. That's that's a big one. This is a big one. And one in pop art.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So
0: for those of you who are audio listeners, it's the cover art. But for those of you who are looking at me... Mm It's on the screen. No, it's not. Not our screen, oh, dummy. <laughs> we are TV right here. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> You're like, where is it? Right. Um, this one is a funny one for me because I, I feel bad because I've always seen it and I'm like, That's stupid. <laughs> You're like,
1: what is this? Letters? Was this the History Channel?
0: <laughs> you literally, and so. I've seen it I've seen it tons of places. I uh-huh. never knew who did it. Uh-huh. And you know, it's it's a sculpture in like Philadelphia. There's a sculpture yeah. on the the in the art museum of the college I attended. There's Is it in
1: the Smithsonian or something? <clears throat>
0: uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, there's a screen print in the Smithsonian. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. And so like it, it's everywhere. And like it's it's perpetuated and printed on everything. It's literally everywhere. And so I was like, "Hmm, that could be an interesting thing to learn about, especially like around Valentine's Day. And I learned some really cool stuff Hmm. about like where it came from.
1: Okay. Regale, regale me.
0: (laughs) It seemed like, so in the 1960s, this, I mean, this is when the design was made, the 1960s. And it was, it was made at the same time as the hippie movement for like, love is the answer. And some people say that that's why everybody kind of grasped onto it so much. But um, they also think that the composition is just really good. Hmm. And <clears throat> for me, I just, I'm like, oh, the O is tilted. <laughs> yeah. It's great. <laughs> no, I because I think
1: about the same thing whenever I see it. I'm like, pop art. Okay, let's go look at the Van Gogh. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's I shouldn't do that.
0: I know, and so I, I was trying to give it more respect. And there's a lot, a lot of history behind it. Yeah. So Robert Indiana, in 1964, he did some graphite and colored pencil drawings of the word "love" in the the square, two letters over two let- letters uh-huh. with a tilted O, and he sent this as Christmas cards to his friends. Cute that, that year, just as a little design that he worked on, and then. Um, Over months, he worked on these and kind of created a series. And the Museum of Modern Art chose one to be the image of their Christmas card that year. And it just happened to be the most profitable Christmas card the museum has ever published.
1: Do you think that's because of the hippie movement going on?
0: A little bit because of that. But also because there's something about this composition that everybody is so into.
1: I mean, like, first glance when I look at it, it's a nice design. Mm-hmm. It's a nice, satisfying design, uh-huh. and it's kind of got a little bit of interest to it because of the tilted O. Well,
0: that's what Robert Indiana said. He, sa- he His words, he said, it gives four letters a little bit of dynam- dynamism. There's yeah. nothing as dumb as an O at attention. That's what he said.
1: Okay. <laughs> Bars.
0: And so he said that the colors, the loves all come from when his dad used to work at Phillips 66. Because his mom would drive his dad to work and pick him up and they'd pass the Phillips 66 station and it's, it's that huge circle sign in the sky. The gas pumps are red and green. The uniforms are red and green. Okay. The oil cans are red and green. And so it's the red and green Philip 66 sign against the blue sky. Okay. And that's why his first love was red and green and blue. I like that. And so it kind of comes from his childhood. And a lot of the compositions that he made are all kind of red and green and blue.
1: I really like that to depict love to depict this word for like a christmas card and for like something that he was sending to his friends the colors that he chose were connected to a really fond memory yeah i think that's really beautiful i
0: think it's special
1: that's like i i don't know i feel like that's like that's me like doing the same thing but using like the colors of like and like the like the Wii interface or something or like
0: <laughs> white. Or, or, no,
1: but or, or like, or like half life colors because like I play those games with my family all the time. Yeah. And
0: like, well, I mean, personally, I feel like that's where some of the best art comes from is when it's like deep within you. It's something from the base of who you yeah. are. I mean, yeah. that's what makes art so different. That's what makes art so special for certain people. Cause other people are going to connect with a Philips 66 themed art, you know? Yeah. So that's cool,
1: and it, and I like that he wasn't afraid to like say that that's why he made <laughs> yeah. the colors that way. He's like, oh, it's a gas station,
0: literally, because he could have been like, oh yeah, it comes from when I went yeah. to the, went to went to Paris on my art study. But it's
1: personal, and I think that's just it's just a great example of like color being another facet of like sculpture and typography. Exactly. So so it, wait, it wasn't a sculpture first? No. Okay.
0: Yeah. And so here we'll keep going with the with the timeline. In nineteen seventy-three, the USPS released an eight cent love stamp designed by Indiana because everyone liked it. And the USPS was like, We gotta get on that. Cha ching. Literally, cha ching. Five four hundred and twenty five million stamps were produced.
1: Wow. And do you wanna
0: oh. know how much money Indiana received? None of it. A flat fee of a thousand dollars.
1: No way. Yeah. He got robbed.
0: Yeah. And so as I, as I researched this a little bit more, I found out that as much as this like his design has been produced over and over and over again, it's, he's gotten like nothing for it because it, it wasn't copyrighted.
1: Oh. And so
0: it's just it's just everywhere, and he didn't get a cent. Really
1: interesting. Thus, thus we see, I think, one of the problems with early like pop art and early like illustration mm-hmm. and like mass producing stuff. Mm -hmm. As I feel like we've kind of figured that out now. And like the self-made, go ahead.
0: uh, Well, I'm glad that you brought up that that it is pop art. Yeah. Which I think adds that much more of an interesting layer to this. Because, I mean, for those of you who don't know, pop art is like, the point of it is that it's kind of a riff on commercialism. Yeah. And so the first pop art was like Andy Warhol's The Campbell Cans. Yeah, he kind of,
1: Andy Warhol, I don't want to say he revolutionized it,
0: but or he or was like the big guy it. in it.
1: But he was like, if he's like, if Van Gogh was like the post-impressionism guy, mm-hmm. he was the pop art
0: yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's this idea of look, I can make a lot of art and I can make it on a factory line. Yeah. And it's still good. And and it's kind of like I can make art just as much as you can make Campbell soup, you know? Yeah. It's very interesting. And and it's it's cool to me and very sad to me that it kind of I mean, commercialism commercialized Indiana's pop art and so it's it's weird it's It's a weird layer yeah um so the philly the philadelphia one is Mm -hmm. the one i kind of want to focus on because it's i mean it's a huge part of philadelphia this is the sculpture this is the sculpture in 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 love park and so a lot of moving parts come together with this sculpture and it's a really interesting story do you know kevin bacon
1: i adore kevin bacon
0: do you know anything about Ed Bacon, Kevin Bacon's dad?
1: I know that he is Kevin Bacon's father.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it turns out Ed Bacon was an internationally known urban planner.
1: Of course. And he Mr. shaped Mr. Bacon.
0: Yeah, Mr. Bacon. And he shaped Philadelphia's landscape. He dreamt up Love Park. No way. Uh-huh.
1: Based on the sculpture?
0: Nope. I think I know where this is
1: going. Keep going. <laughs> I love this. Eee.
0: He he made the park and the sculpture kind of ended up there. And there was just a million things that happened and it was moved all over the place and it was moved for very, very small amounts of money that okay. like people were buying it. And eventually there was this one guy who this is a long story, I'm compacting it. You can look it up if you'd like. I I'll link some sources. There's this one guy who was like, I'll actually pay the money for it because the city wouldn't cough up the money. And so finally, Philadelphia got it back based on this individual donor. Okay. And so it's finally here in the park. And for Philadelphia, this park represents like love. I mean, it's a big word in the whole park because of this sculpture. Wow. And just, I thought this, this story that I'm about to relay kind of makes up the whole feeling around this sculpture. And that's what made it feel like art to me because I talked about how I thought it was kind of a stupid sculpture. <laughs> yeah. I feel bad for and that. And you
1: did research. And, and then
0: I did research and I found this story and I was like, I think I get it now. Mm. It's um, Ed Bacon at age 92. Um, there was a skateboarding ban on the park. Okay. And so he went to protest it and, and he comes with a helmet on and uh, like a skateboard at his side and two people to help hold him up. And skateboard around like protesting the skateboarding ban. And um, <laughs> Kevin Bacon's statement on the statement on this was that he was really mad that he couldn't enjoy the park that was made to be enjoyed. Ooh. And he said, he said Kevin. Kevin said, with a helmet on his fa- head and a determined look on his face, Bacon read a brief statement in which he he declared, "I conceived Love Park." I make no claim to be a leader, but by God, I am a person and I stand up to the mayor. I stand up to Mayor Street and tell him to go to hell and stay there until he sees the light and changes his ways by going to Love Park each day with a smile on his face and a warm, welcoming handshake to greet the skateboarders of the world. Then his two. Dang. Yeah.
1: Holy frick. Listen, (laughs) I don't know if you want the mayor who pissed off the dad of Footloose on your conscience. but I don't. Keep going.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the dad of Footloose. The dad of Mr.
1: <laughs> Footloose himself.
0: And then his two helpers held up his arms, and they pushed him along this on a skateboard for about 25 feet. He didn't get arrested, but reinforcements were called. <laughs> and then at Good. the end of his quick skate, he shouted, Thank you, thank you. My whole damn life has been worth it just for this moment. You can bleep it. <laughs> <laughs> And then the city opened the park to skaters in 2013. Hey. <laughs> so, that was a that was kind of a funny story. It was kind of off-kilter. It, Kevin Bacon and some 92-year-old skateboarding. But to me, it just kind of brought together the love iconography. Like it's it's just iconography. Iconography. It's just super cool that something can be a symbol of I mean, it's obvious. It's the word love. Of course, it's a symbol for love. But it does a really good job. <laughs> like, why does it have to be so complicated and such, so crazy to be a symbol, you know?
1: I think something that I was thinking about was the way that the, the love sculpture's colors, or I guess the love's print's colors, are connected to a fond memory For Robert Indiana. The
0: sculpture has the same colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I
1: know. And for Ed Bacon, (laughs) you know, something he loved was skateboarding.
0: I don't don't even think he loved it.
1: Or he loved loved the park. Yeah. And, oh, man, I don't really know where I'm going with this. But, like, something about just, like, putting yourself into what you love.
0: Mm Mm-hmm
1: he you know Robert Indiana took the the colors of the sculpture and Ed was putting himself in the park and and fighting for it and i don't know i think the love sculpture being in the park is kind of a good i don't know kind of a good symbol of that or a reminder of that i don't really know what i'm trying to say but
0: no that was there I, I think very well i think it's
1: cool that that sculpture is in a park that is so passionately loved. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I I think well the reason why I chose this topic was because Valentine's Day was coming up. Right. And I something that I forgot to mention was that Indiana he he wrote a poem oh. on on love, on the letters love and what each of the letters mean. And he talks about like all of the strokes of like the letters and stuff. And it's very like what?
1: Does it go L?
0: No, Is for
1: the way stop you <laughs> look. <laughs> Sorry.
0: I'll like I'll I'll read I'll read a couple lines. Like, it is really hard to understand. But, like for <laughs> for the E for the E, it's like and in final do lo the single stroke rampant three three pronged trinity into infinity. Dang. And so it's like it's a beautiful. Oh, poem I see. I, I know what he's about saying about the by that. lines of the L O V E. Yeah. Yes. And so I'll link the poem as well so you can read it. But this was in 1955, way, way before he created the love. Wow. Like sculpture or the screen print or whatever it was. And I just think that love is something that's very difficult to put your hands on and and grasp and understand. Yeah. And the way that it seems like. Robert Indiana was trying to do that his whole life by putting literally the physical word into a poem or the physical word into a screen print. Yeah, it's just a cool way, albeit simple. It's a cool and special way to be able to express it.
1: Yeah, the the way. So I, I recently went to a little um, art history club meeting, and there was a speaker there who um, does typography. So cool. He doesn't even do, like, graphic design necessarily. Like, he does, like, kind of, but he mainly just does, like, fonts. Like, he designs fonts. And you should have seen how passionately this guy spoke about serifs.
0: <laughs> and,
1: like, and like what sans means. Not Undertale Sans, but, like, fonts. Like, sans serif. And he went through the history of it, and he talked about there's a couple cool facts. Did you know that it's called uppercase and lowercase because in actual printing presses, they would keep the capital letters in a top case and then like the physical like metal letters in a top case and then the lowercase letters in a literal lowercase, uppercase oh. and lowercase. Did you know that? No. Did you know that the Phoenicians said uh they wrote down words based on like how they sounded? So Phonics? That's where phonics comes from?
0: Yeah, I knew that. I'm kidding. I didn't. Anyway, I, that's okay. really cool. <laughs> just this
1: guy was so passionate about, about um, how just font, like just a font, just the way that a, a letter is written.
0: Bro said, Times New Roman. Yeah, he
1: said comics. He said, dude, he mentioned, I kid you not, he mentioned Helvetica like 40 <laughs> times. He's a, he's a talented uh, uh, typographist though, and we'll link him. So he's, cool, but anyway, just the power of like design
0: really? and like
1: the the weird ways that people connect with like oh the the serif on an e uh-huh. like for whatever reason is it Robert or Roger Robert Robert Indiana <laughs> just saw something in this font in these letters mm-hmm. and he made something of it and mm-hmm. he you and, know
0: and it's something that resonates with. Literally thousands of people, yeah, millions millions, yeah, yeah, and I just think that's so cool, so cool shout out to my typographists out there
1: yeah, we i just I don't do graphic design, but like I know what a font can do like for things, and um
0: and it's overlooked I don't know, man. it's overlooked. it's overlooked, especially in like a society so saturated yeah. by design all around us yeah like, it, it takes a lot to put like l o v e on on a stamp, yeah, you know.
1: I, I just love the way that people pour themselves into things. You know, it's not just the romantic paintings, it's not just the sculptures of David. It's letters and gas station colors that they see themselves in and express themselves with. and even parks and skateboarding protests, like, oh, beautiful humans, I love them.
0: You summed it up. <laughs> that's perfect. That's my that's my thing.
1: Well, cool. That's your that's your topic.
0: What are you talking about?
1: Gorgeous topic. You that was so beautiful.
0: Oh, and and the last thing I wanted to say is that I love you.
1: I love you.
0: Okay, get on with it. This is
1: tough. This new thing because we can't kiss. We can't lean in to kiss very easily.
0: We could like link toes. Oh. Ah, ah. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Stay I have some in of those Costco chair.
1: socks on. They're amazing. You know the. I'll censor that. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm talking... Oh, he,
0: oh, for our audio listeners. He for our audio
1: listeners. <laughs> okay, anyway.
0: <laughs> he held up his foot. That's all. <coughs> oh, my gosh.
1: I'm talking about a film. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what film? Yes. Well, give me a hint. Uh, give me a
1: hint. <laughs> <laughs> it is a film from 2003. It's one of Megamind. my favorites. Megamind. No, Megamind came out in like... 2012
0: or you something. You told me to guess.
1: I, okay. <laughs> I always do I always tell you to guess and then I give you like the nothing. weirdest like worst hits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um it's I don't I don't know how to explain it. It's it's a Jack Black movie.
0: Oh, School of Rock. Yeah, it's School of yeah, Rock. Yeah, it's School I, of Rock. I'm talking I... about
1: School of Rock. So, I've watched this movie recently, and I was reminded of just how much I adore this movie. Yeah. It is so freaking good. <laughs> um, so, it, School of Rock was a movie... It's it's a comedy film directed by Richard Linklater from 2003. Mm-hmm. And it follows um, this wannabe rock star named Dewey Finn, who's played by Jack Black. And he's in a band, and he's trying to make it... He, he's just... I wouldn't say he's trying to make it big, but he's trying to get that authentic rock experience. His band is playing a gig at the beginning of the movie, and he's totally into it. And it's too much for this like small club, like bar they're playing at. And he does like a stage dive, and he's screaming into the mic. He wants, like, he loves rock, and he wants to be a part of it. But um, we find out that the apartment that he's living in, he does, he can't pay rent. He doesn't have a job, and so his roommate and, and his roommate's girlfriend are like, "You need to have rent by the end of the month, or you're out of here." And so he's like, okay, I'll just win Battle of the Bands with the band that I'm in, right? Well, his band kicks him out Ugh. because of because he's too because he's too much. He's he's an embarrassment. They say you're an embarrassment. We're kicking you out. We're Brutal. trying to win Battle of the Bands. Like you're an embarrassment. Brutal. And he, I mean, he is. He's ridiculous. He he just loves rock so much. So one morning, he so okay. Important context for this: his roommate is a substitute teacher. So. One morning, he's alone in the apartment. He's trying to sell his guitars so he can get his money, uh, his rent money. And he gets a call from a prestigious prep school, which I think is like, I think they're like elementary school kids, like probably like fifth, like fourth, fifth grade. And he gets a call from the principal of the school saying, hey, we have an emergency. We need a sub. is, Is your roommate Ned Schneebly there? His roommate's name is Ned Schneebly. He says, hey, is, is Ned Schneebly there? We need a good substitute teacher. And Dewey Finn is like, no, he's not here. How much is the job? And then the principal's like, oh, we pay our, our staff like 600 bucks a week or something. A lot of money. And so Dewey Finn changes his voice. He kind of muffs up the phone and he says, "Uh, hello, this is Ned. He, he pretends to be Ned Schneebly and he gets the job. So he comes into this class of kids, and he's just ready to go, like sit around all day. He's just there for the paycheck. He's not a teacher. And you have these kids who are wearing uniforms. They're in this prestigious prep school. They are. There's tons of rules.
0: Isn't Miranda Cosgrove there?
1: Miranda Cosgrove is in it. I
0: Carly's there. I Carly
1: is in it. And he's like, he's just done. He just needs the paycheck, right? But he walks past the the kids in music class, and he sees a kid playing guitar. He sees a kid playing piano, and a cello, and percussionist, and they all are playing instruments. And he gets a crazy idea to teach these kids in the school how to rock and form a rock band and win Battle of the Bands. What I think, okay, first off, this is something I just thought of, is this is so interesting because he doesn't even, he's already getting the paycheck from the school. He's not even forming the band for money anymore. He does it because he loves rock. So anyway... Spoilers for School of Rock, if you've (laughs) never seen it. Spoilers for a 2003 movie. It's been
0: 20 years.
1: But basically, these kids who are kind of sheltered in this, like, follow the rules, do what you're supposed to do, no rock, only classical music, like prep school environment, he brings this world of rock to them, and it helps them express themselves, it helps them be confident, and they eventually go to compete at Battle of the Bands, all of them. They don't win, but they get an encore, and they... Create something beautiful together, all with this, all with passionate Schneebly, Dewey Finn at the helm. And by the way, eventually they find out that he's not actually Ned Schneebly, and he gets found out. But anyway, and he goes to jail. He does not go to jail for but,
0: identity theft. So I will
1: say that while the plot is like ridiculous, because when would that <laughs> ever happen in real life? It is one of the tightest screenplays like ever. It's written so well. There's barely any filler. It's just. So enjoyable and so well done. So you might be thinking, all right, McKay, that's great. Why do you like this movie so much?
0: All right, McKay, that's great. Why do you like this movie so much? Sorry, I'm on my phone.
1: What are you doing on your phone?
0: Nothing, it's the lock screen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Anyway, so the reason why I like this movie so much is because it has so many good messages in it, like tons, and I'm just going to go through each message, talk about a couple scenes that, like, in the movie, they go to that message, and then I'll be done. So, w- the first message that I think is most important is the message that you are cool. Oh. So, Dewey Finn in the movie, he's with these these kids, and because of his passion, he doesn't really see anything else but passion in others. And so, these kids who have been told like do like do what you're told their whole lives, he. Comes to them and he brings them this mindset that they are special and they, they have valuable things to offer um, through rock. So when he's forming the band, he finds a pianist named Lawrence, a, a classical pianist, very good on the keys, and he wants to teach him how to be a synth rocker, you know, be on keys in a, in a rock band. And so he does, and this kid, oh, I love this scene. This kid comes up to Dewey Finn at lunch, or I'm going to refer to him as Mr. Schneebly the rest of the time (laughs) because that's just what he is in the movie. But he comes up to him and he says, Mr. Schneebly, I don't think I can be in a rock band. I'm not cool enough. Which is, like, so sad. Yeah. He's like, I'm not cool enough. People in rock bands are cool. And then immediately... Just
0: like me for real.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Immediately, the first thing that Mr. Schneebly says to him is, like, dude, you are cool. He does The first thing he doesn't say is, like, well, you will be cool, or, like... You could be cool. He says, no, you are cool because of the way you play the piano. And like, man, dude, like that is just so inspiring to me that that this is a person that sees the best in others, not even like their character. And and technically, Lawrence doesn't even play the same music that, that Mr. Schneebly's trying to teach everybody, but he sees the potential. He sees the, the talent. And he just says, you are cool. Like even without like like considering the talent he just says you're cool
0: that's that's something I wish I would have learned in like middle school yeah when it was like it was so important to be cool to be like pretty or to be like really talented or something I wish someone would have told me you're cool if you're passionate
1: yeah exactly and
0: like and then I could have gotten like now I'm starting to learn these things about myself that I really like like I like to do weird graphic design. And yeah, like, yeah. I like to crochet and yeah. stuff, which is like grandma stuff or like boring stuff or whatever. Stuff that I, if I had told my middle school self that, I would have been like, really? You're yeah. not on the football team, star yeah. quarterback? But that's, it's, it's cool to be passionate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And another great scene is um, a girl named Tamika becomes a background singer or a backup singer, and she has a beautiful voice, um, but she is really concerned about her weight. She's a big girl, and she comes up to Mr. Schneebly and she's like, "I can't go on stage because they'll laugh at me. I'm I'm fat." And he says, "He says, but your your singing is amazing. Like you got those pipes, Tamika. Like he says, like." I, I can't remember exactly what he says, but he's like, you know, Aretha Franklin. She's a big lady, but then everybody wants to party with Aretha after they they, they hear her sing, and so even someone who who has a reason to be like like they have a reason that they're down about themselves they're they're self conscious. He says, "That's okay. You're still talented. You're still amazing," and I just, oh. So you are cool. That's the first message that I want to take away from this movie. Second is that everybody has something to offer. So there's only a couple members of the band <coughs> and a class of like 30 kids. They can't all be in the band. Yeah. And so he only assigns you know, the guitarist to be the guitar. And so there's only like five kids actually in the band. But everybody else, he says, okay, you're on security. And you have to soundproof the classroom. You're on costumes. You're on naming the band. You're on like you know he he makes Icarly band manager cuz she's like this this like like teacher's pet kind yeah, of character yeah, anyway yeah. there there's even a scene where he's where they're like you mean we're not in the band like all the other kids who didn't get picked to like be up on stage playing instruments and he's like don't worry i'm going to find killer positions for all of you and so there's a kid who does like the like the lights and, the, you know, the security kids, they, like, have their own talents with, like, using cameras and stuff. And, like, you have the costume designers and, you know, the kids who name the band. So even though it's a rock band with people playing, there's still so much going on behind the scenes. And that is just such a, a beautiful message for life that even if you're not, like, this is a line he says in the movie, just because you're not in the band doesn't mean you're not in the band.
0: Ooh, that's good.
1: Yeah. So just because you may not have like a talent up front like art or music or whatever, you still have important things that things like a rock concert need. You might not be in the band, but you're in, in the, the band. band. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So your talents can be utilized. Even if it's like lights or security, I think it's so cool. Everybody he he, he saw the talents of everybody in that class. Okay, next one. It's okay to accept that you're not good at something and it's okay to leave behind something you're not good at. So honestly, a big part of the movie is that Dewey is just not a great songwriter. He, um, He writes a song for the class and it kind of is just okay, but eventually they perform a song that a student wrote and it's so much better. It's a, it's a great song. And near the end of the film, Dewey kind of accepts, he's like, you know what, I'm not good. I'm not really good at this, but I'm passionate, and you're good at this. And so he kind of, this is a a theme that I wish they would have capitalized on more in the movie, but he kind of accepts that, you know, he's had his time to try and shine, and it didn't work out, and now he can kind of pass his dreams on to these kids, and... What he's good at is being passionate and helping people realize what they're passionate about. And so he's much better at, well, being a teacher and being a band leader than actually being a songwriter or a front man. And I think that's really valuable to realize, I'm not good at this. My purpose might be elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Okay? Last one. (coughs) Um, And this one's a little loose, but I just like the idea that rock is po- is is used as like a metaphor for just like anything that you can be passionate about. In this movie rock is what's used to like bring people out of their shell. Um but it can be anything and <coughs> this film also explores that rock is there's still really good parts of rock even though to you know the passive observer it might be synonymous with like drugs and sex. There's still really good parts of it. There's a part where their drummer, the kid drummer, goes off with other people and he's like, I thought rock was about like, you know, being cool and like, you know, hanging out with like people and like smoking and stuff. And Dewey Finn is like, is like no, it's a, like it's a, Dewey is so adamant throughout the movie that no, rock is about the music and he's so about that. And so I just like the idea that like things that may seem all bad are not all bad. And if yeah. you dive deeper into them, there's beauty in them, and there's worth in them. Mm-hmm. So that, that makes oh, me I, feel
0: like like those those forms of art that people are like that's stupid. Like, be it Marvel or anime or, or video, games. video games, yeah. yeah. All, all I mean, or like I've got like manga behind me right yeah, now, yeah. and those are super looked down on too, just because of this kind of stereotype that people assign to it like yeah. maybe based on country or, or based on personal beliefs or whatever that yeah. that may come from but I feel like that I mean we've had this conversation lots of times before it takes away this opportunity to explore something that could be really great yeah if you're holding on to this idea of something that you think it could be
1: yeah totally and uh that's that's what this movie all these kids are are so classical music classical music classical music there's even a scene where the dad um, of the guitarist is scolding him. He's like, no more of this rock music. You do your classical music first that your personal teacher is wanting you to learn. Um, because they view rock as objectively bad and objectively threatening to this code of conduct that these kids are under, mm-hmm. which simply is not true.
0: But that also said, it doesn't mean classical music is bad.
1: That's true, yeah.
0: And so in like a video game scenario, if if you like video games, that's great. If you hate video games, I mean, that's great. Don't play them.
1: <laughs> yeah. But also, don't just write them off yeah. because of what they are.
0: Exactly. you know.
1: Um, if you really want to like, see if something is good or bad or not, you've got to delve deeper into it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, I've said a lot. I've been talking a lot just about this film that I love. And I'm sorry, I haven't given you much time or much opportunity to input. But I want to finish off by saying that this movie is just about passion. And the passion is so important. And that passion is kind of an art in and of itself. And I want to read the lyrics um, of kind of the title song called "School," of, like The School of Rock. And it's the song that the guitarist of the band, this like 10-year-old kid writes. He says, baby, we was making straight A's, but we were stuck in the dumb days, or in a dumb days. Don't take much to memorize your lies. I feel like I've been hypnotized. And then that magic man, he come to town, uh, done spun my head around. He said, Rhesus is in session. Two and two make five. And now, baby, now I'm alive. Oh, yeah, I'm alive. So it just goes to show that, like, someone passionate coming into your life can really change things. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I think in summary, I just love this movie. And I love what it says about what you're capable of, how cool you are, and that the best can really be, like, brought out of people.
0: Yeah. I I once had to write a paper on what makes a film good, mm-hmm. which is really hard to <laughs> say that now. But after the class, we finally figured out that it's really hard to be objective on something like that. And so I just kind of did my own thing. And one of the, the points that I put that makes a film good for me is that it uplifts me somehow, or it, or it or it teaches me something? Yeah. And regardless of the production quality or anything like that, it just that it taught me, it changed me in a way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like School of Rock is a great example of that kind of movie, because there's so there's so much media out there that could be really great, but it can just like mess you up or like it can teach you something bad. <laughs> honestly. And it's nice to have something that is so old and loved and like, I feel like everybody yeah. and their mom saw it yeah. in 2003 mm-hmm. and it, it really teaches something good. Yeah. And, and that's the power of a good script. That's the power mm. of some dedicated like, team members working together to create a good film. Yeah, totally. Love it.
1: And so <laughs> in conclusion, I think that whatever you do, Whether it is rock or... Screen printing. Screen printing. Or protecting a park. Or... Skateboarding. Or skateboarding or passing your passions on to other people. It takes love.
0: Or doing a podcast.
1: Are we... Sorry.
0: I really thought you were going to kiss me that time.
1: I got scared. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Anyway,
0: it takes passion. It takes passion. And passion—that's what makes art good.
1: Yeah, man. Hey, Amen. Oh, thank you. Follow us on our socials.
0: We're gonna go kiss. Kiss us. Oh. Wait, wait, no, don't kiss us.
1: No, kiss.
0: Kiss me. Someone. Wait.
1: Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>